0: welcome to everybody tonight. You're a guest tonight. We welcome you as a part of this service. Thank you for coming. I understand there was very, very bad traffic on 50 this evening, so for all of you that persevered, made it through, thank you very much. Appreciate you making your way through and coming. Thank you very much. Watching us online tonight, wherever you may be, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Pray that you're blessed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, teach, minister, whatever, part two tonight from last Thursday night. The verse we started with last Thursday night was. Jeremiah 29 and 11, where the scripture says, The Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you to a to an expected end. An expected end. And so, I, I, we, we, I kind of touched on this a little bit at the end, but just really felt led there was some things to come back to um, that I kind of rushed through at the end last week. So, Romans 8 and verse 24, Romans 8 and 24 says, For we are saved by hope. I don't think I have to say it here tonight, but this isn't about the plan of salvation. This... Just another... Amen. Okay, maybe we do need to talk about that? or we... But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? I don't know, uh, Brother Stewart or somebody, I feel like I'm in a cave up here. So I don't know if somebody could help adjust the sound or something up here. (laughs) For what a man seeth, Why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience. Patience. Again, that word is not sitting with a smile on your face, pleasantly waiting for the doctor to finally call you back after you've been there an hour. That word is endurance. Then do we with endurance wait for it. So I, I want to we'll go confidence in the end, part two. Father, thank you for your presence that is in this place tonight. Father, I believe that you have touched hearts and lives in this place already. I don't know what the needs were. I don't know what individuals we're facing tonight, but I believe that there's some folks that receive a divine touch from you tonight, and I thank you for that, God. We don't want to ever just come and punch the clock and go through the motions. If we don't have you, if we don't have the manifestation of your presence and spirit, we are wasting our time. So I thank you for being here tonight. I ask God that you would now minister through your word you would speak to us tonight. God, I, once again, I have no desire to just take up time in a service to just speak because that's what's expected, but I want to be a conduit, a channel that your voice, your spirit can speak through to minister what somebody needs to hear, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I don't really, we kind of spent a little bit of time at the end last Thursday on hope. Uh, not real in-depth, but a little bit. And I, I don't really, it's not the main part of what I feel here tonight. But I just, I remind you that that this verse and other verses in the New Testament especially that talk about hope, that's I think oftentimes to us the word hope is sort of a synonym for wish. When you hope for something, you kind of wish for something. And this, this biblical word for hope is a confident expectation. When you close your eyes and blow out the candles on your cake, you don't really have a confident expectation. This word hope is a confident expectation. So, Adam Clark says this, Hope is a sort of universal blessing and one of the greatest which God has granted to man. Isn't it amazing the greatest blessings God grants to us are not tangible. They are not possessions. They are not things that have a monetary value upon them. To mankind in general, life would be intolerable without it. And it is as necessary as faith is, even to the followers of God. People find life with its various and unavoidable ills only supportable by the hope that they have of not only getting safely through them, but of enjoying a state of blessedness in the end. How many, how many, uh, joint replacement folks do we have here tonight? Knees, hips. Got a couple of you. Painful process, isn't it? From what I hear, painful process. You go through the process because of an expected end. <laughs> I gotta get through some pain and suffering, but if I can get through that and get through the rehab, the joint that I will end up with will provide me the opportunity to have a quality of life that I hope for. If you ever go into surgery with a 50-50 chance that it's going to improve, that's not all that exciting. And there are times you go into surgery and the doctor tells you, it, it may help, it may not. Hope is still at the bottom, and therefore man is encouraged to bear up in all the pressures of life. Take away hope, and then black despair and indescribable wretchedness would be the instant result. Hope stands justly among the highest mercies of God. Today's tough, but I have hope. Tomorrow will be different. I've been in a valley for a while, but I have hope there will eventually be a mountaintop. I've gone through some difficult days with my spouse, but my hope is it's not going to remain this way. Hope. Here is the challenge that I think most of us face. A word from God, and by word basically I mean a rhema, a word from God gives us the destination or the end. It usually does not give us the pathway to get there. Hallelujah. I really enjoy preaching. I like to preach. I like to yell and scream and sweat. No, I like that. But I'm here tonight not to yell and scream and preach. And somebody, I believe, I believe I, I appreciate some of the feedback. You of course you, you don't do what you do for the feedback. It is always nice to hear you were on target though. That's that's I don't want that to ever go to my head and get proud and arrogant over that, but it's nice to get the confirmation, Pastor, you were you were on. That helped me. Thank you Jesus. <laughs> I understand, believe me. There's times I leave and nobody says anything and it's between Jesus and I to work out <laughs> and make peace. <laughs> but I, I I just I feel like there's some folks right now that the Lord wants to help you. I, I believe He did that for some of you last week, but I, I believe tonight is a continuation of that. And, and I'm, there, there, there's several folks here tonight. You, you, you need to get this. The Word from God gives us the destination, but it doesn't tell us the pathway to the destination. That's why we've got to hang on to the Word and remember that if God gives you, the, the reason God, if I could say it this way and not be disrespectful or sacrilegious, the reason God wastes His breath to give you a word is because you're about to walk a pathway that is completely contrary to the word. I tell you what he's going to do if everything's going to line, every circumstance and situation is going to line up to that. Why does he need to tell you? The reason he tells you is because you're going to go through some junk. You're going to go through some stuff that is, it looks opposite to what he said he would do. And so you've got to go back to the Word. And I've got an expected end. I'm on an unexpected journey. You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you probably would, but some of you wouldn't, and you'd need to if I was really asking you to. So I'm not asking you for an outward answer, but how many of you tonight are in an unexpected place? How how many of you, this isn't how I saw it going I wouldn't mind a hand or two. I mean, you don't have to, but it, it would make me feel a little better. I kind of had a feeling that was the case, but, you know. I, I This isn't how I saw it. I got a word. Why am I here? Because the word settles where you're going to end up. And so hope is... Hope is, I'm hiding out in a cave, running not from just one man for my life, but from an army for my life. But hope is, I had oil poured on my head that God said, I was the king, going to be the king. And so no matter where I am right now, I have an expected end. The dream says... My parents are going to bow down, that my siblings are going to bow down in reverence to me. I did not foresee a pit when I got the dream. I did not envision a prison when I got the dream. This is not what I expected. This is how, this is not how I expected. The good news is tonight we're all in really good company. Wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The destination is I'm going to make you the father of many. The destination is your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sand by the seashore. That is the expected end. In the meantime, there's going to be a very unexpected path to get to the end. Do you think that when God told you the end, he did not also know every step of the path? I'm, I'm, I want to say preaching, but I'm going to try to say teaching. I'm teaching. I'm talking. Let me just say it that way. I'm talking to hopefully not me, hopefully the Lord is talking to some... I'm talking to some people tonight. There's some of you that at one point you felt like you had a call of God on your life. But because of circumstances and situations and failures and mistakes, you've basically given up on it. The gifts and the calling... Are without repentance. And when God called you, when you went, when if you go back to that moment you felt God called you, God knew the pathway you would walk to get to the end. Hope. (laughs) Hope is God has given me an expected end. I think I said it last week. If Whether I did or not, I'll say it again tonight. When God gives you a word and you think you've got it figured out, you can rest assured. You are... You, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know of a person. There may be some somewhere. I don't know of a person... I I don't know of anyone personally, maybe there's somebody here tonight. You can raise your hand in a second if it's you. I don't personally know of somebody that the path of God's plan for their life has gone according to what they anticipated. I, I, I look across this audience tonight and, and I know people sitting in this room. I know people that you're not here. You, you're not at Antioch right now because you purposefully planned this is where I'm going. That's where I'm going to be. I'm talking about people already in the church. I'm not talking about those that got saved. I'm talking about people that were already one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy Rollers, born again, heaven-bound believers in the liberating power of Jesus' name. Washed in the blood, sanctified by the Spirit, believing in holiness and suggesting you do the same. They were set free at a Pentecostal altar on the knees. Pardon me if they're not ashamed to be a one God. That's a song for some of you that have no clue. You thought I was just waxing eloquent. I actually wasn't. Of course, it's just not quite the same without a harmonica accompaniment to it. A few of you have been around a little while. (laughs) His name was Lance Appleton. That doesn't mean anything if you didn't know who he was, but that's just anyway. You didn't, this isn't where you planned. Not that, I don't mean that you resent that you're here. I just mean it's not what you anticipated. Because somewhere, 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 one day you got a word. The problem is, we, maybe you don't do this, but I found I do it and most people I know do it. When God says what? We, we write the story. When God says what? We start dreaming. <laughs> Only problem is my dreams never have suffering and pain in them. My dreams never have dark and hiding out, and my dreams never have days of depression and discouragement. My dreams never have days when I question God's call on my life, and my dreams never have days when I am wondering if I really am in the will of God, and my dreams never have days where I'm trying to find options for something else that might be the will of God, and I'm not speaking hypothetically right now, I'm talking about me. My dreams don't have that. I got a word. So somehow I've got to have hope. I've got to have hope. Paul said it like this, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh again. I know what the English word is, but let's just say what it means. Tribulation worketh endurance. And endurance produces experience. And experience gives hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Message Bible, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Hello? We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Sometimes folks really are a little hypocritical when they, all oh, hell's breaking loose and they're just, oh, everything's good, God's good, uh, yeah, yeah. But there's also some other folks that really have learned, no matter what's going on, we are pressed on every side, we are troubled, we are, we are, we're in difficult situations, but in the midst of it, like a Paul and Silas, I'm still able to offer up some praise and worship in the middle of my adverse circumstances. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. If patience isn't enough, we we got to have passionate patience. And how that patience, in turn, forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. And we all sit there with dollar signs in our eyes and say, well, that's not me. I wonder how much stuff, if we truly looked in the right places, we would find that God really is pouring into our lives in ways that we cannot contain. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience. Experience, hope. Hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now, let's let's take that backwards. Let's go backwards. My hope is based on what? Experience. My experience is a result of my endurance. My endurance was a necessity because of Tribulation. You ever noticed whatever you're going through right now, whatever trial you're in right now, is the worst you've ever been in? How many of you noticed that? Whatever you're currently in, 99% of the time, it seems, is the worst thing you've ever been... Can I, Two or three of you. rest of you, go back to sleep. (laughs) This is the... I've never been through anything like this in my life, and I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I don't know how it's ever going to work out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what you should do. Get some hope. Why should I have hope? Because of Experience. Because that last thing you went through, you felt the same way then as you do now. The last thing you went through, you didn't know how it was going to work out. You didn't know if God was going to come through. You thought it was the most difficult thing you'd ever been through, and yet God brought you through it. And so now you're in the same situation you were in before, just a different trial. So rather than getting consumed with where you are, my hope is I've got experience experience that tells me God can bring me through and I built up some endurance to make it through some stuff So it probably really is the worst thing you've ever been through and the good news is the next thing's going to be worse than this But the other good news is you're developing stuff in this that's going to help prepare you to get through that. You learn to run a mile, you can start running two miles. Then you can get to three miles and then five. When you're struggling with getting through five, think what it was like trying to get through three. I know. I know. I'm t- I know. Once again, I feel very elementary. I don't. Mean, I'm not looking for your platitudes and whatever. I, I'm not. I'm not fishing right now. I feel very elementary in the topic and the teaching tonight. And I understand we're. I'm talking to committed people tonight, and that's the point. I'm talking to committed people. I'm talking to people that have got past the honeymoon. Come on. Yeah. Honeymoon's over. You got through, Most any of you, hopefully there's at least one of you, if not, I know there's been plenty of folks, but anybody ever, when you got the Holy Ghost, you 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 either felt like it, or maybe some of you that act, you went and told some folks, the best thing that's ever happened, happened. Wow. I so, want you think, some of you think back to what the circumstances in your life were like then. Some of you didn't have a vehicle to get to, you had to get a ride to church. Some of you that had a vehicle, you were you was the Flintstone mobile, and it was only because you were pedaling with your feet to get it there. Some of you came, it wasn't no money in the bank account. Some of you came battling sickness in your body. Some of you came with addiction in your life. You got the Holy Ghost and you left thinking the best thing that had ever happened to you happened, and it did. And for some period of time, it was heavenly. Until he went, whoosh, and you were no longer nibbling on the worm. The hook got set. That's right. He went, all right, got you now. Let's get down to business. This needs to change a little bit. You need to work on that some. And I'm just going to help you by letting this fall apart and that go wrong and this pain in your body. And then all of a sudden you start going, you know, I'm not so sure about all this. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody here tonight has at some point thought, you know what? I had it easier before I got saved than I do now. I, I, in fact, I, I'd be pretty certain somebody, that thought, maybe not the exact way, but somehow, you, know, you say, no, it never happened. No, it never happened. happened, But except there was a couple of million people one time that had gotten saved, were on their way to the promised land, and said, we want to go back. Actually, I would at- agree with The idea that there are some times that your life in the world was easier than it is now. Does he know what he just said? Yes, it's live stream for the world. There is no seven second delay for them to bleep out what I just said. In fact, I'm pretty certain at times that's the case because when you were in Egypt, there was only one nature at work. There wasn't no internal battle between the spirit man and the fleshly man. Now you're in the kingdom and your spirit man has come alive. But the fleshly man is still there. But the problem is now God is teaming up with the spirit man to try to overcome the fleshly man. And that's not a pleasant process. Continuing on from where we started this evening, this really is, these next three verses is ultimately where I feel the focus of tonight. That was all foundation, the introduction. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you don't look at me and just say, suck it up, boy. Get over it. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Oh, I know I, some of you are aware. Of, oh, Mark, he's about to teach us on intercession. Does he not know we are at Call to War headquarters? Now, do you hear what that verse is saying? Yeah, there's a part of intercession for somebody else, but that verse says, the Spirit maketh intercession for me. Doesn't just make intercession through me, it makes intercession for me, because we don't know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amplified verse twenty seven. And he who searches the searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what His intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. The Message Bible, verse 26, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. Lastly, Wiest's translation says this, "...and in like manner also the Spirit lends us a helping hand with reference to our weakness." for the particular thing that we should pray for according to what is necessary in the nature of the case. We do not know with an absolute knowledge, but the Spirit Himself comes to our rescue by interceding with unutterable groanings. Moreover, He who is constantly searching our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because according to God, He continually makes intercession on behalf of the saints. The word mind there means what one has in mind, the thoughts and the purposes. I don't always totally have an understanding of what God is doing. I have a promise that it will all work for my good, but I don't always have it figured out what's going on. But the Spirit knows what's in the mind. You, you, you ever... You ever uh, I, I've, I, I've worked a couple times when I was a teenager with a couple different... I worked for Brother Whaley a couple times when I was a teenager. At that point, he was in business for himself. And I usually did not much more than haul... Lumber scraps and sweep up sawdust. Every now and then, I got to drive a nail or two. In, in a situation like that, where you have a professional that knows what they're doing, they can actually direct you to do stuff that you don't even understand what you're doing. I, I, I could, I could get, I, I could get Brother Kevin here to sit beside me at my computer and tell me what I needed to type, and click on, and have no understanding of what I'm doing, yet He could direct me what to do to fix the problem, because He he knows. I don't understand everything going on. And I don't like everything going on. But the Spirit knows what's the purpose. And I don't know what to pray for, As I should. My prayer is usually for relief. My prayer is usually to get out of what I'm in. My prayer is usually take away the pain. Heal my body. Because that's what my spirit wants. But the spirit makes intercession for us because there are things we don't know and understand. And while my preference may be one thing, if God did what I prefer, what He was trying to do would not be completed. And God is as much about the process as He is about the product. There, there, I, I know I'm, I may cross somebody here tonight's theology, and if I do, I, I, I apologize for that, but I still stand by it. I know some outside of here I will cross their theology. I do believe, I do believe that if I, if, if Brother Brown's sick and I'm praying for him, there is, there is a way in which I could say, God, touch Brother Brown if it's your will and it be a cop-out and lack of faith. I believe, that is, I believe that's the case. But I am of the belief that that is not an absolute fact. That just because I pray God touch his body and heal him if it's your will is not meaning I'm giving an out if it doesn't happen. It means that I understand my faith is God can heal him. My faith is whatever the physical problem is, God can touch him and take care of it. But there may be something that God is doing that if God took it away in the moment I prayed, the process that he's in would not be completed. And so... Really, when I pray about stuff in my life and I add on, if it's your will, it's not because I doubt you, it's because whatever happens, I want to ultimately trust you. The three Hebrew children stood next to the fiery furnace and said, our God can deliver us. They were absolutely 100% certain, our God Can deliver us. The next statement was not doubt and unbelief. The next statement was, but if he doesn't, we still won't bow. And the bottom line was, what they said God could do, God did. He just didn't do it the way we would have liked him to do it. I wonder how many of you tonight have got some answered prayers that you've yet to realize that God actually answered your prayer. It's just the path He took to get you to that answered prayer is not the one you expected. I, 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 I don't. I'm not. I'm, there, there's some folks here tonight. I'm not saying that you're resistant or not, but I'm, somebody, some folks need to get this tonight because I'm I'm talking to some people that are in a battle of faith and confidence in God right now. Part of that battle is because circumstances you're going through that you've prayed and asked God to change, and He doesn't. If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders. And the elders are going to lay all hands on them, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, I don't know about you... My expectation of what that would say is call for the elders and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. But that's not the word and it's not a mistranslation because the Greek word there is the word for salvation. So when you call for the elders and they lay hands on you and God does not instantly take your sickness, pain, problem away, it could very well be that God really is answering your prayer because He's working to save you, not just fix some problem you're in because that's your preference. I'm not going to read this. I put it back in there. It's in the notes from last week. I put it in in case anybody wants the notes tonight. That word helpeth. That's a great word. It's awesome. Maketh intercession. Adam Clark says this. The word signifies to apply oneself to a person in behalf of another, to intercede or negotiate for. Our Lord makes intercession for us. By negotiating and managing as our friend and agent all the affairs pertaining to our salvation. (laughs) God, I want you to be my agent. I just want you to do everything I say. (sighs) I want you to do what I want, when I want it, the way I want it. Come on, don't don't sit there and act all holier than... Come on, you know... I know you may be on top of the spiritual world right now, but I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be up the mountain, you're on your way down. And then we'll pass each other the opposite way, the other side. I, I used it at Samantha Nathan's wedding Saturday. It is a two and a half month process to climb Mount Everest. Two and a half months process. To spend most of the time no more than an hour at the summit. (laughs) Hold on, don't get too excited about what you're striving to get to. It probably won't last too long. (laughs) There ain't much time on the mountaintop until you got to start back down and head to the next mountaintop. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. That just sounded like a good spot for that. The Spirit of God makes intercession for the saints, not by supplication to God on their behalf, but by directing and qualifying their supplication in proper manner, by His agency and influence upon their hearts, which according to the gospel scheme is the peculiar work and office of the Holy Spirit. From all this, we learn that a fluency in prayer is not essential to praying. I love that statement. I can tell you do too. From all we learn, a fluency of prayer in prayer is not essential to praying. You ever been around somebody that just seemed like they knew how to pray? I mean, sincerely, I don't mean fake show off. I'm not talking about some that have been here in the past that were like living King James Bibles. I'm talking about people that just, I mean, it just, they, it just. And you're like, Jesus, help me. I mean, they're just, it's just flowing like honey from their lips and you just coughing a few words out we learn that fluency in prayer is not essential to praying. I like somewhere where we read translation or something, sometimes my sighs. Oh, God. That's not very eloquent. But potentially it might be the Spirit saying something through me and God recognizing in that moment... Not what my flesh wants, but what my spirit wants. Because what my spirit ultimately wants is what you want. My flesh usually doesn't want what you want, but my spirit usually wants what you want. A man may pray most powerfully in the estimation of God who is not able to utter even one word. The unutterable groan is big with meaning. And God understands it because it contains the language of His own Spirit. I don't know what to pray for as I ought to. So I've got to allow the Spirit. And I know we pretty much normally put that in the category of tongues, and I believe that's a huge part of it. But when you read it, you read the words, and you read the meaning, and you read the commentaries. it's not just tongues. Because there's some stuff, if you'd get into a place and really get vulnerable, you'd start to hear, even the men, not just the ladies, you'd start to hear some stuff coming from the depths of your spirit that you didn't realize was there. And you can't put words to it, and you can't articulate what you're feeling and what it means, and sometimes all you can get out is, oh, God. Sometimes you don't even get the God out, it's just, oh, According to this, that's not wasted sound. But if I'm in the right place, in the right position, in the right frame of mind, I am releasing the Spirit and my spirit for God to pray through my spirit. Not what I want, but what the Spirit knows I need. I'm going to skip a bunch of this. Again, I put it in there in case somebody wants it to read later. Barnes says, with regards to we know not, there's four different points that he makes. I'm just going to read one. They are to a great extent ignorant of the character of God. Reasons, let me read the first part here. This is a a specification of the aid which the Holy Spirit renders us. The reasons why Christians do not know what to pray for may be they do not know what would be really best for them. That's a misprint. Not sure how that got in there because we all know (laughs) what is best. If God would ever pause long enough to listen to me for 30 seconds, I could help Him out a whole lot. They do not know what God might be willing to grant them. That's the other problem. It's not just about letting the Spirit pray because (laughs) the Spirit might pray something I don't want. It also could be the Spirit wants to pray something that I don't have faith for in my conscious mind. Unto Him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Third reason, they are to a great extent ignorant of the character of God, the reason of His dealings, the principles of His government, and their own real needs. I must, in every situation and circumstance, come back to the character of God. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts... If I am in the midst of a situation where I have a need and God is not doing what I perceive needs to be done, then that means there's something else going on. And because He is a good Father, He's not punishing me. He's not mistreating me. He's not neglecting me. He is ultimately doing what is best. One of the pitfalls of parenting is trying to be your kid's friend over being their parent. Because to be a good parent oftentimes means you're not a really good friend. Because if you wanted me just to be your friend, I'm just going to do whatever you want. But as a parent, that means sometimes i got to do what you don't like, what you don't understand. Sometimes i even got to do stuff that I really can't even fully explain to you why I'm doing it, but I need you to trust my character. If you and I can truly trust God's character, God's nature, there is no circumstance that we would go through that would shake our faith. Problem is a lot of us don't truly trust His character, and we're not so sure that everything He's doing is for our good. We haven't quite settled that all things work together for good, and that He's a really good Father. That's who you are, a good, good Father, perfect in all of your ways. There's much more here. Jameson Fawcett and Brown saying stuff about what we don't know what to pray for. I'm going to skip it for the sake of time. First John 5, 14 says this, And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will... Let me, let me go back there. That sounds a lot like something we've already read. The Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so John says, that this is the confidence we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. You know what? This is my flesh. Maybe your flesh don't feel this. But that verse 14 is a real bummer. I mean, that's a. I I love the part that talks about asking anything. I love that part. I want to have confidence that I can ask anything and it's going to happen. There's a disclaimer according to His will. So I can't just ask anything and have confidence it's going to happen. You know what I've learned? And I think many of you can say the same thing with me. Everything I've ever asked that I thought I really wanted and he chose not to do. Sometimes it took a little while, but eventually I was able to look back and see that he knew exactly what he was doing. And what I initially resented him for not doing, I now thank him for not doing. What at one point I got angrier with him because he wouldn't do, I now thank him because he did not do. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're in that in-between time. You've asked and it hasn't happened, but you haven't reached the point where you can look back with the thankfulness to say, God, I really am glad you actually did not do what I wanted you to do. And now I can see that it all has been working Together, for my good. This is the proper, Barnes Note says, the proper and necessary limitation in all prayer. God has not promised to grant anything that should be contrary to His will, and it could not be right that He should do it. He can't go against His character, His nature. And So once again, I've got to trust who he is no i don't mean trust that he's god i mean trust who he is loving kind merciful patient takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked does everything for my good hope Hope. Hope that if God has not answered what I've asked, that really there is something better. Hope that if God has not done what I wanted Him to do, He really does have a plan. And His ways are much higher than my ways. And His ways are much better than my ways. It's the struggle of getting to the end. I will tells us Hebrews much more really good stuff. Let me read this one and I'll. The expression according to his will must limit the answer to prayer to what he sees to be best for us. Of that we are not always good judges. Sila, no, you really are not always a good judge of what's good. No, you really are not always a good judge of what's good. And sometimes you judge something to be good that God sees something much different than you see. You owe it to yourself to trust what He sees. Because all you can see is the moment He sees the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. We never perceive it as clearly as our Maker does. And in many things we might be wholly mistaken. Certainly we ought not to desire to be permitted to ask anything which God would judge not to be for our good. Thank you, Lord, for being willing to not give me what I want, no matter how big of a temper tantrum I throw. No, we just become more dignified with how we throw them, but we still throw them. You don't fall in the floor and kick your legs and pound the floor with your fist and scream, but adults still throw temper tantrums. We just get silent. It's just a much more mature tantrum. We judge our kids because they're flailing in the floor making all kinds of noise, but mine's okay. It's really all about the same thing. I'm just not drawing quite the same attention, but I didn't get my way. And if anybody will be a little bit discerning, you'll know that I'm not happy that I did not get my way. I'm so glad that he's never given in to one of my temper tantrums. I'm so glad he's been persistent to do what is ultimately best and not given in to what it is that I wanted. I believe, I speak to every individual in this room tonight, that whether it has been clearly revealed to you by the Holy Ghost in some way or not, God has for you an expected end. As uncertain as some of the circumstances and situations some of you are in right now, you have an expected end. And I know the thoughts that I think of you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you to that expected end. And so if God's thoughts of me are good and not evil, peace, not evil, that means what he's thinking about bringing me to is good. Realize there's no great emotion in here right now and... Not running the aisles and screaming and hollering, but I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads for a moment. I don't plan for us to go very long here right now, but I feel like in the last few moments of this service, the Holy Ghost would like to do more than just what you've heard said from me or hopefully Him through me, but there's something God wants to do in a couple of people right now. Some of you need to grab a hold of some hope tonight, not wishful thinking not dropping pennies in the wishing well of faith, wishing that everything turns out all right, but a confident expectation that God gave me a word, God knows the outcome, and in spite of the steps that I'm taking, and in spite of the circumstances that I'm in, when I get to the end, it's going to be a good end. may not be a good day today, may not be a good week this week, but the end that God is bringing me to is going to be a good, End, if I will allow the Spirit to make intercession for me, and not just pray everything I want to pray, not just pray my desires, but allow the Spirit. And if that's not groanings for you, but it simply is just allowing the Holy Ghost to pray through you in that language you don't understand, so be it. But God, you know the need, you know the circumstance, you know the problem, and so I want you to make intercession for me because you know what is needed according to your will, not my will. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, God, that in this moment right now, without any great hype, any great emotion, not necessarily some outward, great outward response, but God, in the hearts and lives of individuals in this sanctuary right now, that you would revive and renew some hope, God, Revive and renew some hope because more than likely there's some that the circumstances they're in, it's not quite time for it to change and the, the the things they're dealing with, it's not quite through, but if they can have the hope that there is an expected end, then that hope is something that will not make them ashamed. But you will do what you have promised. Bring us in alignment, God, with your will. Help us to surrender our will. We know you're the Father. We know you're a good Father, but our flesh often gets in the way. As much as we really know, we don't know what's best. Sometimes our humanity gets in the way, and we think that we know. So tonight, God, once again, not only do we want to surrender to your will, but we want to trust you to complete what you're doing in us and through us. And that we can have the assurance and that your spirit is going to help our infirmities, the weaknesses and the challenges that we face in the midst of the journey that we're on, the path that you've got us on. Your spirit is going to help us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, this journey wasn't my journey that I planned. This isn't the route that I envisioned. This isn't the path that I thought I would be on. But I trust, God, that I'm on your path. And if I'll stay on your path, it will bring me to that expected end because it was, in fact, the Word. It was the Word about the end that got me on the path to begin with. I trust you for the completion of what you've started, God. God, I pray for grace right now to move throughout this sanctuary, Lord. You know what individuals sitting here right now are in need of that grace, of that hope to be renewed and revived, that confident expectation that there is a settled outcome. The outcome is not uncertain. The outcome is not something, it's just about wishful thinking. But God, if we stay in your process, stay on the path that you have us on, there is a set determined outcome. In the name of Jesus Christ, give us the confidence and the trust to allow your spirit to pray through us according to your will, not according to what we want or desire, but according to what you see is best, Lord, so that everything can work in our lives for the good according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Say, so, brother Wright, I, I, I got here by chance. I got here by accident. I, I didn't get here by a thus saith the Lord. I didn't get here by a dream or a vision go home and reread the great men and women of the bible and find out how many of them ended up at the outcome because god spoke to them do this go here go there joseph had a dream god didn't tell joseph go get in the pit he didn't tell him go to jail it was circumstances hello It was circumstances. God is big enough that He can influence your circumstances if you're submitted. And you may not have ended up where you are because of thus saith the Lord. It may have seemed like just circumstances, but you know what? There's a bunch of good things God did through what seemed like just circumstances. But the bottom line was what seemed like just circumstances had people in those circumstances that we're ultimately trying to be surrendered to the will and the plan and the purpose of God. Praise God. God bless you. Pray that you have a blessed remainder of your week. If there is ice and whatever on Saturday, be safe. In Jesus' name.